I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, Georgia basketball fans, if there are any, had to experience that last night in TBA, also here, over there in Oak Ridge, my good friend, fellow University of Tennessee alumni, stats by Will, Will Warren, Will, good evening, sir, how are you? Uh, I am good, so to be honest... I think in my time on Twitter, and I've been on Twitter mm-hmm. for a long time, uh, mm-hmm. I have spotted like two Georgia basketball fans mm-hmm. that are like actual Georgia basketball fans, not like, oh, they play a sport at Georgia. So I am right. required to support it. it it's, 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 not like, it's not like Tennessee basketball, where I think there are like Tennessee basketball dominant fans. Mm-hmm. I, I have yet to truly meet like a Georgia basketball obsessive for obvious reasons. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's going to, they're still a ways away, even though the broadcast team last night would not have you believe so. Well, I'm not that guy, but I was jotting down notes. I'm like, they're really trying hard to make it seem like this is moving in the right direction for Georgia. And it's like, are, are we, what are we watching here? It's like Zakai Ziegler's fist steal. Um, this, is, uh, this is not a real game. What are we talking about? Do you want an incredible stat that's not mm. the stat of the day? Yes. So uh, versus the Ken Palm preseason ratings now, how many SEC teams are overachieving their preseason rating? Uh, two. Two. Alabama and Tennessee. Yeah. Out of 14. That is not good. Georgia, Georgia, who got demolished last night, is actually third. Because they are, they are basically achieving two what the preseason ranking was. I like that. Um, well, the FCC, the FCC, well, that also, the SEC. It honestly is... should be the FCC because people should be calling about some of these games and asking them to be taken off TV. Uh, I agree. I agree, uh, Will. So we have a lot to get to today. Will is going to see, hopefully, Lady Balls take care of business against UConn tonight. Um, this should be a fun matchup for the Lady Balls and Kelly Harper's bunch. Um, so, Will, to start things off, Florida Atlantic is a top 25 team now in america what makes the owls fun so it's actually very well timed i've got a post coming out tomorrow aka when this drops mm. uh, about teams worth bandwagoning like mm. even if you got a fan even if you're like me and you're a tennessee writer it helps to have like a second team i've mm. noticed this especially in the college football space where uh like there's a patrick mayhorn who's a brilliant writer mm. uh grew up an Ohio State fan who's just like, I can't do it anymore. And so he moved to Utah to cover Utah State because it's just like you have your high major team, your big boy, 
And then you've got like, oh, I want to watch uh, FAU to keep myself sane. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a rare mid-major whose offense and defense are more or less equally good. Uh, mm. Very good deep shooting team, very good interior defense. I think they're 12th in two-point percentage allowed. Um, very strong on the defensive boards. They remind me a lot of uh, maybe like a slower version, but equally exciting, of last year's Murray State team. Mm. So they're going to win a whole bunch of games. They're going to be in what I would declare to be relative obscurity. It's not like they're on ESPN main a lot. Like mm. all the FAU games I've watched, unfortunately, this year have been ESPN plus uh, mm. productions, which is not to say that those are inherently bad, but like the average fan is not going to be able to watch FAU on a normal night unless they're mm. paying extra for ESPN plus. Um, it's but almost the that time of year because it's like the only way to watch Tennessee baseball games. If you're not there, it's real. just in the Tennessee. I, I don't want to put anybody on blast, but the Tennessee baseball uh, ESPN Plus productions are god awful. <laughs> I'll, I'll remain silent here. Sorry to whoever does that, mm-hmm. and it's not your fault. It is mm-hmm. not your fault that Tennessee only puts up like one camera in the stadium for this. <laughs> um, not like not at all that person's fault. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the interesting thing to me, and you know, challenge to anybody, take a look at FAU's resume, mm-hmm. which uh, so Torvik has this thing just that's basically called resume where it's mm. averages KPI and the ESPN strength record, which are a couple of metrics the committee uses, basically tells you FAU has got the 21st best resume in America. So if you look at that and you don't have a name attached to it, you would think this is a team headed for a five or a six seed. Mm. And we'd be talking about them like we used to talk about Butler. But they've got that resume and they sit as a nine seed. And I think the last nine seed on the bracket matrix. Why is that? I don't know. Because I, I think the metrics, I mean, they're not great in comparison, but it's certainly a lot more charitable than it is for like College of Charleston or somebody. Mm. And I love College of Charleston, but I don't know. I have a hard time figuring out why New Mexico, for example, is higher rated on Bracket mm. Matrix, who I like, than FAU. Or, you know, like why the we're. Patino bump. The Patino bump. Or why Wisconsin shares a seed line with them, which is ridiculous. Hmm. So I don't know. I'd like to see these guys get some more respect nationally. I think they're earning it. Um, and they are going to be the very rare post-Memphis CUSA team. If we're, uh, That is, I think, probably pretty close to an at-large lock. Hmm. Assuming they don't like drop a really bad game the rest of the way. So let's say like FAU, I'm just checking the Torvik page right now. Mm. FAU is projected to finish 28-3, and 18-2 and in conference. I think if they do that, they're in no matter what happens in the conference USA tournament. Hmm. Uh, and that would be awesome. Like, I want to see a team from what's been a single bid league get legit, like, you know, nine, eight seed or higher respect. I think it's overdue. Yes, uh, but they're fun. Uh, the, and if you're an FSU fan and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, just jump <laughs> on the FAU yes. thing this year. If you're honestly... If you're a fan of like any state of Florida team that's not um, Florida, actually, because I think Florida's trending upwards, mm. uh, you could do a lot worse than jumping on board with FAU or yeah. Miami. I guess you can be a Miami fan this year; they're all right for sure. Um, Will mm-hmm. the Emmy <laughs> game that was just one of the more fun, obscure ESPN the Ocho games that no one's watching, and then everyone's suddenly watching because it's like, oh my god, what is Bates doing? What is Bates doing? And 
he was just cooking and cooking and cooking. And it was like one of those games where I was tracking, like, oh, they're going to lose this game. Like some of the heat <laughs> check pull-ups where I'm like, this is not, uh, this is, this is not going to end with a, an Eastern Michigan dub over Toledo. And the Toledo coach of the game was like, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to, to play against a guy who's playing like uh, Pete Kevin Durant or something like that with just mm-hmm. his shots and what he was able to do and create um, for himself where he had just an unbelievable uh, amount of points in a row just by him. But what did you make of that game, Will? And has he evolved uh, a lot as a prospect for you since we last really saw him at Memphis? I don't know about evolving fully as a prospect. I think we're seeing the promise a little bit. Mm. Uh, I, I've yet to purely see what would make him great at the next level because uh, I, I, it's a feel-good story, right? And I mm. think he's going to be like probably working his way back into the second round. But mm. uh, can I read his last four games for you in order? <laughs> yes, please. Um, three points, 24 points, seven points, 43 points. <laughs> and this is, again... Not in a good league. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry to say. And not on a good team. Good. They're like, what, 4-16? 4-16. Yeah. and 4-16. And, and it's really funny to watch them because it is the most disorganized and bad defense I have put <laughs> like time down watching, except <laughs> when they play good teams. They're like, mm-hmm. all right, let's try. Let's give it a shot. Uh, whenever they're playing like good competition, they actually put in some effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're playing like the... Uh, whenever they're playing like the northern illinois and western michigans of the world Mm. could not care less about stopping a drive to the basket so Mm. they're entertaining in that way but i mean i I think this is a net positive for him i still maybe it wouldn't have worked out but i wish he would have gone because that the sort of second in line rumor was seton hall Mm. and i really wish he had gone there i don't know if it would have worked as well and i don't know if he would have been as comfortable as he is basically being at home Mm -hmm. but it's on a better team he would have gotten more publicity and frankly, I think he would have been asked to try a lot harder than he is on this, you know, going nowhere EMU team. But again, it's it's good to see him, you know, making good on the high school promise a bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 29 straight points is just bonkers. Uh, one of the best halves of basketball you'll ever see. And yeah. he's just fun. Like, he's a fun player to watch. Um, he shoots a lot of threes. He's really good at getting to the rim. I think it's just weird because like it's just the T-Rex arms, right? Like that's one of the first things you see is you're just like, if this dude had a longer wingspan, like there's no question he is one of the most five interesting prospects going into the draft next year. But because of the wingspan, it's just, it's weird. And it's, it's nice that at EMU, he's, he's being allowed to play what he should have been able to play at Memphis. Like for reasons I will never understand, Penny tried to play him at the three, Mm -hmm. which is um, extremely not his position at, Mm -hmm. you know, 6'10". Um, and, you know, couldn't get the appropriate spacing, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't able to really create as a three. And so they're playing him more as like a four and sometimes five at EMU. Mm-hmm. And that's just much more his strengths. For sure. Um, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way, but he is fun. And there needs to be a Twitter account now that is just, what is uh, Bates doing right now? Uh, <laughs> that should just be the tweet. And we just see it on the time like, oh, he's cooking. All right, everyone tap into CBS Sports Plus HQ, Zing, Zang, Zang, whatever channel they're on. Because uh, it's it's really they're, hard to watch. They're on the sites that give you a virus. <laughs> like like the ones that, like ATD, I'm, tr- I'm going through my catalog mm. here mentally. Shout out to all of my former or, uh, illegal streamers circa <laughs> like 2011 out there. Uh, First mm. Row Sports, yeah. ATDHE, RIP to what's now Twitch, but was once upon a time Justin.TV. Oh, was that what Twitch was? Yes, because I, I remember watching... Uh, 
truly incredible. And this is, I think, is pre-ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. The uh, NCAA men's hockey final on <laughs> Justin TV in 2010. That is some serious Michigan love. I know why you were watching that, Will Warren. <laughs> like the man loves his Michigan ice sports. Um, you mentioned uh, his team a little bit ago, Will, but it looks like New Mexico has a real possibility with Richard Pitino of getting the Lobos into the NCAA tournament. Is it feeling inching closer and closer to a lock that they're a tournament team for you? I think they're very, I mean, they should be a lock. I don't know if they will be, mm. uh, like, objective, but I mean, like, if you look at them on paper, this is a team trending towards like a seven seed, which is mm. awesome. I mean, uh, the main thing for me to watch is, like, can can they continue to elevate their seeding a little bit? Like, yeah, they're not undefeated anymore, but this is a very good Mountain West. I mean, the mm-hmm. Mountain West really could get five teams in, which is crazy. Who are the five? For, uh, San Diego State, Boise State, Nevada, New Mexico, and I think the team that's going to be squarely on the cut line is Utah State. Mm-hmm. That That's the swing piece. If Utah State can improve just a hair, and I think it's possible— uh, they're going to be the fifth. And if they win the a, tournament, though, does that screw somebody? No, I, I okay. think Nevada, Nevada might get screwed, but mm. I, I think they're going to be okay no matter what. The real swing pace is, you know, what if Utah State improves? They're like, you know, a ten seed or whatever, and then our man Tim Miles comes through mm. at San Jose State <laughs> and makes it six teams or UNLV, I guess. But that's not as exciting. San Jose State doing it would be fun. I would love the idea that Tim Miles is just like every day. He's like Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska, you thought it was me. You thought it was a me problem. It may have just been there's something about <laughs> Nebraska basketball that they're not allowed to be good. Like that just might be the case. They're just not allowed. Yeah. But no, New Mexico is really fun. I like watching them a lot. I'm affectionate towards the Mountain West in general um, mm. because it is. I mean, in terms of like conferences that actually matter in college basketball, like not for you know just like one weekend in March. Mm. Um, they're they really could be and maybe the Pac-12 a little bit though I don't know mm. how it's going to fare in the post UCLA USC era. Pretty much the only conference left that really retains its same cultural identity it had 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Very rare in college sports. I mean, like there's very little that has changed over the years for those teams, and I love that. Mm. Uh, and the thing that's changed the least is like New Mexico's home court advantage still awesome when they play a good opponent. Like I loved watching them beat Boise State in overtime last week. Mm. great great home atmosphere um but that exists at a lot of places like utah state has an amazing one boise states is underrated wyoming's last year was amazing and so Mm. you get a lot of that in that league but um i wish they took more threes because they make a lot of them so anytime Mm. i see like a team that has a good percentage like you should just take more threes try it Mm. what could go wrong but they are really fun they get to the free throw line a lot um, they dunk it a lot too. They have this guy, Morris Udeze, who has 40 dunks alone. And, uh, best part about this for men of a certain age, Jamal Mashburn Jr. Uh, on the team, really good. Probably their best offensive player scoring 19 a game. Um, I don't know, man. I really like this team. I want to see them go far. I know not to bet on a Mountain West team doing anything in March. But I, I mean, we got a long way until March, so I plan on enjoying them while while they're with us. For sure. Um, but you know, we shall see, like you said. But positive, positive for the Lobos, um, as you know, they're bad. They're football. Cannot teams, believe where... how positive I feel towards like Patino coach teams these days, because mm. I did not enjoy the Richard Patino Minnesota experience. 
but like Iona is very fun. And now this New Mexico team is awesome. We don't call him Patino Will Warren for nothing. Um, <laughs> they don't call me Mr. 17 seconds for no reason. <laughs> um, Will, Xavier, yes. they beat UConn. UConn falls to 16 and 6. I think, uh, I don't remember how many wins exactly, but I think uh, Xavier only has four losses as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, what seed is Xavier looking at? Because I feel like they're the forgotten team right now in the Big East that is just piling up the wins and just playing really good basketball. And it's like, I think it's going to come tournament time when they're like, oh, Xavier is really good. And, you know, they're going to there's going to be a lot of people on their brackets who are going to just be like, "Ooh, Elite Eight, Xavier, like that. You know, it's going to happen. They're going to be a favorite. It's a very attractive name to see in a bracket. Yes, it's like when you see Butler Mm -hmm. or teams like that, where you're like, oh, yeah, they made the Elite Eight when I was 15. I want to pick (laughs) them to go far. Um, (laughs) That's 100 percent accurate. Yes. Uh, No, I mean, like, they're really good. They're a lot Mm -hmm. better than I thought they would be. And I mean. I didn't think they would be bad by any means, but I think we were kind of all settled into the expect, expectation for them preseason that they were going to be like, I don't know, a six to eight seed, somewhere in there. Like, they'd be good, not really going to threaten for the Big East title, but they're going to be solid and tough mm-hmm. to beat. Uh, but they're above what I think anybody could have reasonably guessed. Um, they've gonna ha- they're going to have a legit shot at a three seed. If they won out somehow, which I don't think is possible in their conference, because, I mean, they've still got to go at Marquette, at Providence, at Creighton. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could get up to a two, but probably a four seed feels about right. And you look at this team and you look at, you know, they kind of had to re-, re like fix up some of it on the fly. They don't have a very deep bench. They got about seven guys who constitute the rotation on most nights. But like Sully Boom, great story, really good player. Jack Nunge has really improved. Zach Fremantle is very fun to watch. I mean, if you are in need of a team to bandwagon and you don't want to pick like a mid-major, these really could be your guys because number three in three-point percentage, number four offense, uh, they don't play good defense, which makes all of their games very exciting no matter who they're playing. Like Mm. This is a team that beat Creighton, beat Marquette, lost to DePaul, nearly lost to Georgetown, and then turned around and beat UConn. So any given night, you could get quite the result, but... We're, we're going to enter a period of time here where Sean Miller is going to get a little coach of the year buzz. And I wouldn't declare it wrong. I would put their, I'd put a few guys ahead of him, but he should get like some votes. Like he's done a, a good job with a roster that really underperformed last year. And it feels like Xavier is Xavier again. Do you think Field of 68 might na- may name him their uh, coach of the year? Uh, well, they love the Miller brothers. So I they think that's, a, that's kind of a lock. Mm-hmm. Though I, they they really have bought into the Charleston hype, so I think Pat mm. Kelsey is going to be the front runner for their um okay their little Coach of the Year award. So, but uh, but any Miller brother that wins a game, um, and they're kind of all they got all the eggs in that basket now that it's pretty clear Frank Martin is actually bad, um, so they can't really do his thing anymore. What is so. UMass's record this season? I, I honestly have not followed them, but I saw there's a thread out there that mm. I'll have to find. Where uh, he, they accumulated like 15 press conferences worth of quotes where he's angry at how the team is being treated on Twitter, which is just like an amazing thing for you to do in year one. That is some strong South Carolina vibes with Shane Beamer always on Twitter, angry yes. at what folks are saying about uh, the OC hires and all this and that. Frank, my brother, you've got to get offline. It's just. Get offline, folks, especially when your coach is like, we have to be online for our jobs and stuff. You don't have to ever be online. Like, that is a yeah. gift. You never have to be <laughs> online. It's a waste of time. Stay off Twitter.com if you can. You have a job that allows you to do so. 
Um, Will, our favorite segment. Duke is in IT bound. What say you? No. No. They're not. Um, they're, they'll be like a seven seed, which is going to be like shocking for people to see who haven't like really closely followed college hoops this year because mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they're at least preseason top eight, right? Oh yeah. No, they're I, like, like preseason top, top four. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, I, I think they're going to get in. It's clearly not been the team they thought they would have. And mm. I, honestly, I think some of it is out of Shire's control. Like hmm. I don't think he could have known that Derek Whitehead would have barely played or that you would have, I don't think, I'm not sure how many possessions of any where they've been able to get Filipowski, Lively, and Whitehead all on the court at the same time. Mm. I mean, and that was sort of like the big three entering the preseason. So they're a really interesting team to me where it's like if they ever got healthy, they could be like you would not want them in your bracket because of the talent. Like, like I mean, on paper, that is a top five talent team. It's the same or, well, slightly different with Kentucky. But you, you look at these guys, and it's like, man, they should be better than they are. But also, okay, so I looked it up. 93 possessions they've had together all season, the three freshmen. Mm-hmm. Which is 7% of their on-court time. So that kind of tells you a little bit of it. But it's like Jacob mm-hmm. Grandison hasn't been available all the time. You, you've had a lot of, you know, Jeremy Roach missed four games. You've had a lot of in and out, mm-hmm. a lot of lineup instability. And I think that's why, one, their defense has not been very good. Two, the offense cannot really find consistency. And I think three, they've just also had some bad luck. Like they probably Mm. should have won the Clemson game that they lost. Like they were, you know, frankly, a little unlucky against Virginia Tech as well. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm the sicko who can't quit on them, which is always possible. But Mm. with a a team as talented as they are and in an ACC as weak as this one, if they were to finish... We'll say twenty-two and nine, thirteen and seven in ACC play. That doesn't really feel outlandish, does it? What would they have to finish to miss the tournament? Well, how many more losses would they have to have? They, I think, they would have to. You'd have to finish like ten and ten in the ACC. So they'd have to finish mm-hmm. five and six, basically. And so they're underdogs in three: road Miami, road Virginia, road North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple of real stinkers they could drop in there, like. This doesn't sound like a stinker, but if you lose at home to a UNC team, that's just kind of like, eh. Very possible, by the way. Yeah, very possible. That's not a great loss. Could lose at Syracuse, which is, I mean, that's a huge bummer with this Syracuse. So, Did you see I, I, walking guess... out of that press conference yesterday? I'm sorry? Did you see Beheim walking out of that press conference after the UNC loss? No. He was, he was not happy. Uh, I'm not surprised. Um, it's not going great up there in Q's country. It's a. It's almost as if he should have retired five years ago. But yeah, anyway, this is just getting worse. Every year, it's just getting worse. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm not ready to quit on Duke yet. I think, but the, these next three games are kind of the tell, right? So they're yeah. they're favorites, but they're small favorites. Road Georgia Tech, who's bad, and then two home games against Wake, who's a bubbleish team, and then UNC, who's you know disappointing but still very talented. Mm-hmm. If they can get through that three and zero, that puts you at eight and four in the ACC. And then I think you've really got to screw up in the final eight games to somehow be back on the bubble. You've got a stew going. Yeah. You've got a stew going. Um, has Tennessee found their best lineup? Will Warren. I, I think so. And, you know, we talked about it a lot in the preseason of, you know, you were right. And I think a lot of people are right that, you know, 
Barnes was going to start Plavsic for a long time, or as long as he mm-hmm. could. Um, though I, I think, and it seems like they've kind of hinted at this in the media, this change, and for context, it's uh, mm-hmm. you know Ziggler, Vescovy, Josiah Jordan-James, Julian Phillips, and then Olivier Kamwa, who shoots threes at the five. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the lineup we were all anticipating all year long, but I think James being injured and then Vescovy having his shoulder thing kind of threw that uh, up in the air. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it took a little longer than expected to get there. But in a way, it reminds me of 2018-19, where it took us, or, uh, sorry, uh, it took Tennessee a while to get Eve Pons out of the lineup and then start Lamonte Turner again with Bowden mm-hmm. coming off the bench. So that was kind of like your best lineup as you wound down that year. I think Tennessee's there again. And the, the interesting thing, and I think we're starting to see it a little bit covered, but it wasn't mm-hmm. for a while is how big of the swing piece Josiah Jordan-James is. Because, Mm. like, I think everybody, I would wager everybody has a basic understanding that Tennessee is significantly better when Josiah Jordan-James plays, right? Mm. Like, that's, I mean, is he, you know, the piece between, like, Final Four and Round of 64? Probably not. But, like, he's a big piece. Mm. Um, but the thing that matters most to me is the shot selection splits. Cause I think those, those actually will tell you like what impact a player has when it's his lineups versus others. Mm. So when James is off the floor, Tennessee gets 37% of their shots from three, 22% mid range, 41% at the rim. Mm. When James is on the court, 48% of all shots from three, 19% mid range, 33% at the rim while still being pretty efficient on twos and obviously shooting a lot better from deep. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's the key piece is Tennessee basically goes from like what I would politely describe as a mid-table offense when Josiah mm-hmm. cannot play to, hey, this is actually pretty good when he's mm-hmm. on the court. And yeah, like, you know, last, you know, against Georgia, I almost forgot who they played because quick digression, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong or not. The way this SEC has developed, Tennessee and Alabama are playing like seven games each against opponents mm. where you immediately forget everything that happened as soon as the game ended. Um, it's like yeah. playing Maryland in football seven times. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. I hadn't considered it that way. I mean, it's one of those, <laughs> you just forget like even the hot, like it was, they, I, they were trying so hard to make it a game early where it's like they got up <laughs> to the 4-0 run and you're like, oh, they're spunky. And it's like, it was 17-14 at one point. And you're like, oh, Tennessee's shooting well. Like this was one of those nights yeah. where Tennessee was hitting threes where I was like, oh, Georgia's going to get stomped. Like the defense is going to come around. The, the points that they were scoring, like Marshall was held to like what zero in the first half. Like mm-hmm. he was just, the clamps were down and it was, it was over. Ziegler was pesky getting a bunch of steals and um, we were playing our best lineup. I was just like, this is not a, this is going to get ugly sooner rather than later. And yeah. And I think that's just kind of with this iteration. I think that's where we're at. Well, it's like yeah. when he have when they have these lineups against, like you said, a bunch of Maryland's, it's just like, the hammer is going to be dropped at some point, and then it's just, it's uh, it's not fun. The one thing I will say I wrote down that I'll remember is, like, I don't like that Barnes is still doing these Euros and I do minutes. Like, he's still yeah. burning some time where there were some lineups where you cannot play that against good teams. Like, he was doing it against yeah. Georgia, but, like, 
man, there was some Tobey Owaka in I Do Minutes, and I was like, no, 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 no. I, I honestly think after a certain point, once they've once the game kind of became what it was, mm-hmm. Tennessee seemed to pretty openly treat it like they were playing Alcorn State again. Yeah, and they were, they were like, trying stuff out. They're just like, screw it, let's let's see what works. You mm-hmm. know, honestly, I like that. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty funny to do that against an SEC team is genuinely hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean. <sighs> You look at how they are and how versatile they can be, where it's essentially Euros is the only guy, and I do has a little bit of this, where mm. uh, uh, he's a good rim protector, but I, Barnes is right in that he could be an elite one one day. Mm. Uh, where He's also terrified to shoot. That man touches yeah. the ball, and he wants it out immediately, and that's when he gets into problems. He needs to be more willing to take mm. the three at the top of the key, frankly. Yes. Because uh, that will open a lot of things up for him. But... I actually, I don't mind playing Euros at center when there's an actual shooter at power forward. Like, yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm not really convinced that Euros and Kamwa can even play together very well. Like, I mm. actually think that's an okay defensive lineup, for, especially for bully ball. Um, mm. But I do not really like it offensively because Kamwa is not the most aggressive offensive player, I would say. Mm. and Euros is Euros. He's not really going to take a shot outside of, you know, five feet from the rim. So that kind of constricts mm. what he can do. And Kamwa doesn't have a quick trigger, so it's kind of a little like playing four on five. So, but if you put Plavsic out there at center and it's like James and Phillips are the other two forwards, totally fine. Let's see yeah. how that works. I, I think that's fine, though. But it, it's it's really entertaining to watch this team do their thing where there seems to be kind of, and you touched on this on a very good piece in your site yesterday, an, kind of an open war brewing between Tennessee media and Tennessee fans mm-hmm. about how, how much they're willing to invest in this basketball team, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's entertaining because, like, yeah, Tennessee doesn't score that many points, and it's not like that. It's not the most thrilling basketball you've ever seen, but it's like Virginia won a lot of games, and I think their fans are probably pretty happy. And what I wrote about, too, is, like, it's not even, like, a Tennessee th- fan thing entirely. Yeah. And I think it's just where the sport falls in the sports calendar. Um, like you said, with playing seven Marylands in a row, like, the when the non-conference slate is not good. When let's you start uh, let's off, go ahead but, and include Arkansas in that list of Marylands, by the way. What a TikTok yeah. program if I've ever seen one. Well, theirs, I just feel bad because it's just injuries all over the place. They got destroyed. They, they, with they, you can't come into the year and have one shooter on the roster, Eric Musselman. Yeah, that's true. That's on you, brother. <laughs> um but i Go will say like I just, mcdonald's exactly i uh i don't know i just think it's one of those where the calendar is part of it i think because the sport markets itself around one time of year i think it's only for the real sickos who are just like living and dying by like what's happening each and every night in college basketball and i think it's also if you ask the random fan when Tennessee plays every week, they wouldn't be able to tell you like sometimes it's a Tuesday. Sometimes it's a Wednesday or a Saturday. And like, well, what time are we on Saturday? I think it's just not as, it's just not as easy to follow for the casual fan or even just the Tennessee Mm -hmm. fan. I don't think it's anyone who's associating with like, Oh, we're winning too much now in football and baseball. There's just not enough energy. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just what you're going to see is come March or come tournament time. It's going to be, just Tennessee takeover all over the place. Like the fans will be packing it. And if like Tennessee's a one seed, it's going to be electric wherever they are playing. Like it's going to be, they're going to show out. I just think we're at that point in the season where 
if you're looking for like, oh, let's go. We got to see. I'm so excited to see. It's like, well, they're not really playing anybody yet. We don't play Alabama yeah. <laughs> for, until February. Like, it's just, what do you want them to do? What, what, they're all and, just and like, we're good. The first, the first marquee home game with students that can actually attend. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, students could attend the Kentucky game, but it, I mean, school wasn't in session. Right. And it's that, at that point, it's just like, if you live near Knoxville, you can go. Not everybody yeah. does. So with that in mind, I mean, like the first game of the entire season that's against a good opponent when school is in session is Saturday. Yeah. And I think Saturday you're going to have a really good crowd. And so I, I think, think so too. it's kind of like last year, actually, where Tennessee had those marquee games against top five teams down the stretch. And all mm. three teams or all three games, the crowd was amazing. Yes. But it was because like, you know, it was the crowd wasn't very good earlier in the season mm-hmm. because Tennessee wasn't playing anybody good. It is what it is. And I think you're right. It's where it falls in the calendar. I also think naturally people get more interested once the Super Bowl passes. Yeah. Because then in your mind, it's like, okay, football is officially over. Baseball hasn't started yet. Let's think about basketball for the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Football has no competition in the yeah. fall. Like there's just no appointment viewing. It's just, you get six home games a year if you're lucky and that's it. It's, the, it's there and gone and Tennessee basketball, you have a lot of opportunities uh, yeah. to see Tennessee basketball. Um, and then baseball, it's just catch and raise, man. That's the thing. It's just, it's nice to sit outside in the, in the warmth for two and a half to three hours on a, yeah. on a Saturday afternoon. It's just different, a different vibe. For sure. And, but I think, you know, we'll see what this team does on Saturday. Mm. I feel, I think it's a pretty advantageous matchup for Tennessee. Texas, it, Texas is not bad by any stretch, mm. but I think, you know, since what happened happened in mid-December, uh, their defense has been trending in a hard negative direction. Mm. While they're they're actually they've become really entertaining to watch, where every game of theirs seems to exist in like the 80s and 90s, mm. uh, because they cannot stop anyone and they cannot be stopped. So I, I'm curious to see how Tennessee deals with that defensively, but I think offensively it's it's going to be a game where they probably look good. It's going to look a lot better than last year's Tennessee Texas game for somebody to that was in. just and it ended with Josiah Jordan James missing the open three right yeah that a, a truly truly dire game to watch I remember I watched that game with my now wife and father at Roosters I remember just like falling off the chair just with the miss like that was <laughs> that was a brutal brutal loss uh, I remember it well um a tradition unlike any other just pain really? when watching big time <laughs> Tennessee sporting events uh Will your stat of the week here as we wrap up here tonight this one is also Tennessee-based, but it's also oh. SEC-based, too. Okay. So, since December 1st, uh, so mm. essentially two months, Tennessee, obviously number one in three-point defense. Uh, mm. They've allowed opponents to hit 20.3% from deep, which is, that's kind of a constant battle between stats people and fans mm. uh, about, like, how real or fake that is. But anyway, uh, very funny. But do you know who number two is? What um what conference same conference kentucky it is alabama alabama is allowing 23.8 percent from three over the last two months of play Hmm. uh but it's you know it's kind of the same thing with tennessee you're always waiting for the regression monster around the corner Mm. and i think people have they've become so wholly focused on ut's aspect of it that they've kind of lost it on alabama's a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to be fair, Alabama hasn't really faced many terrific shooting teams, but it's like, you look at this and it's like, okay, Vandy went six for 33, Mizzou mm-hmm. three for 28, like 
going to happen eventually, just like it will with Tennessee. But it's amazing to see that and realize that those two teams play each other in three weeks. And I mean, it very well could be the game of the year. It's going to be fun, but it's also going to be awful. Any Tennessee fan who thinks they're going to enjoy that, let me go ahead and tell you, brother. It's not going to be fun. Alabama, the way they play Tennessee, the way Nate Oates plays Rick Barnes, it's going to be a blender game where Tennessee fans are not going to have a good time. I'm, it's like the whole meme, straight up not having a good time, man. Like it's Even if they win, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be even funnier when Tennessee does win. I hope so. I, I, I'm pretty confident, to be honest. Huh. I, I am more confident that Tennessee... Did we get a Julian beats... Phillips versus Brandon Miller showdown? Like just the, the Tennessee recruit that got away and the Tennessee recruit we got? <laughs> because it's a home situation. Mm. And Tennessee against really good teams at home, I feel pretty good about. I actually... The, t- the game that scares me most, the remainder of the schedule, and I could not have seen this coming a month ago, mm. uh, is the road Texas A&M game in mid-February. Hmm. Um, because that is the second straight home ga- or road game in a row after Kentucky, which I think Tennessee's I think Tennessee's just going to do a lot better in the second round. But yeah, I don't know, man. A and M, that's a different team than they were a month ago. They are going to get a double bye in the SEC, and they are beelining for a uh, eight seed or better in the tournament. Hmm. We shall see. Will Warren, we shall see. Uh, StatsWillSubstack.com. Go subscribe today if you are not already. Um, follow me on Twitter at StatsWill. Anything else you want to plug before we wrap up here tonight, man? Yeah, so I've got a piece coming out by the time this comes out about the mm. uh, teams you should try and bandwagon this year in mm. college basketball. We've ruled out all of the big money boys. We don't want any uh, high budget teams in my uh, little bandwagon. So mm-hmm. uh, I've proposed some teams like Oral Roberts. Uh, if you are not a fan of, <laughs> don't Google Laura Roberts politics. Anyway, uh, if you're not into that, there's St. Mary's who we've talked about a lot. There's Xavier, New Mexico, mm. and a team that I think more people should be watching that we have discussed, uh, our Marshall Thundering Herd, who mm. I feel stronger and stronger by the day if they get in, will win at least one tournament game. I like that. Dan D'Antoni, man, doing the Lord's work up there. For real. Huntington, West Virginia, I want to yes. say. Yes, that could be anywhere in West Virginia. Could not point it out on a map. No, I have no idea. But I would love to get like just the herd. Cool colors, cool look. Oh, for sure. I, uh... And a, an amazing name. Yeah, Marshall. It's a good a thundering herd. I like it. Uh, will Warren, thank you as always, my friend. Enjoy the game tonight, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me. We're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast with Cousin Logan, who needs to remember the questions as the cat moves behind him. I didn't even know you had a cat. When did you get a cat? I have two cats, actually. I rescued them. Since when? I rescued them like two years ago, three years ago almost. There you go. What's this one staying behind you? The black one is Dundee, and then I have a Maine coon named Georgia. Oh, there you go. Oh, and Dundee makes a full-on appearance on the podcast. Not not camera camera shy rather so very cool very cool um logan how are you doing well uh excited for this week of football looks like it's gonna be a good one 
it's gonna be good and i'm glad that patrick mahomes is healthy and you watch the videos yeah. of him moving around and he seems fine i don't know how he's fine with a high ankle sprain and how he's moving around like that but patrick mahomes is just not built like the rest of us apparently and he's just gonna be totally normal yeah it was i, I didn't it's as soon as I saw him come back in that game, I wasn't worried about the next week. Like, mm. it, I think Patrick Mahomes is the sort of player that if he can physically tough it out, he'll try to, you know? Yeah. Unless somebody stops him. But not even just that, but like he's just going to play normal. Like he was not, He's not going to be stiff in the pocket. It looks like he's going to be able to move around and do Patrick Mahomes type stuff, which is, yeah. which is cool because that, that would have been kind of a damper on this rematch in the AFC title game as if Patrick Mahomes was limited and hobbling around and chad henney had to come in again or something like that would just be that'd be brutal um for this because what the Bengals have won three straight um against kansas city so this is this is one of those big moments for mahomes in his career um to kind of get the monkey off his back with joe burrow and kind of reassert his dominance over the afc because as of right now the Bengals are favored uh on the road here in kansas city the last line i saw so that uh it's going to be interesting as road uh, favorites going into Arrowhead, but we shall see. Um, some coaching stuff, though, before we get into the games this weekend, Logan. Um, this was not on the show sheet originally, but what you l- said last week, Carolina was your favorite job opening, and you thought it was the best job opening for a for a coach. They made a hire today. Frank Reich is now the new head football coach for the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think this is actually well, a Well, I didn't run. see that. <laughs> No, but like I had, a, I think this is a big hire. I think he was really good in Indianapolis for the most part. He had some issues with, uh, I mean, just the revolving door quarterback play and having to deal with Carson Wentz at the end there. But like uh, beloved all across the league, did great stuff, obviously, with uh, Doug Peterson back in Philadelphia, did good stuff um, with Justin Herbert in Los Angeles. Like just a really good offensive mind, played quarterback at Carolina, which I'd forgotten about a long, long time ago. But I think was a good hire, uh, by and large, um, to go in the Frank Reich direction. So, what do you make of it as the big Panthers supporter that you are, cousin Logan? Um, like you said, I honestly don't really know anything about Frank Reich. I'm uh, much more of a player focused like mm. person. I sometimes I don't even know the who the coaches are. Not like head coaches, but mm. yeah. So I, I couldn't tell you too much about him, but I, I trust your opinion on that. Uh, yeah, I haven't He's, really been watching the Colts since Peyton Manning left. <laughs> well, that's the whole family, I think. Uh, they all yeah. moved on once Peyton left. Um, well, no second interviews for Sean Peyton anywhere. Uh, the Panthers was one he interviewed for the first time. The Broncos he interviewed for. It was reported that Russell Wilson really wanted Sean Peyton in Denver. Uh, it doesn't look like Arizona's going to happen. Houston's not going to happen. And you wonder, because it's like D'Amico Ryans, I think, is the favorite now in Denver, the D.C. for the Niners. I wonder, it because the two big ones, I'm going to guess the reason Sean Payton is not moving into number two and taking a job this cycle is because his two favorites did not open. And I think he's not just going to leave Fox in a good setup and um just his analyst role and what he gets to do and just enjoy life and make a lot of money doing it um i don't think he was going to jump right back into just any opportunity and i think the two that he probably would jump back into is dallas which has long long been rumored that he's had his eye on dallas and that was something that he's always wondered about but then it's the chargers right like that was the other one in la and coaching justin herbert and having that and that didn't open up just the offensive coordinator job so 
I think it's interesting. It's also like if you're a franchise that has a quarterback that you believe in and Sean Payton's like, mm, I don't know, like Kyler, Russell Wilson, whoever, you're like, uh-oh. If Sean Payton's not dying to jump back into this and fix this, then we might have a bigger problem. But what do you make of Sean Payton looking like he's going to be back uh, in the broadcast, uh, well, in the analyst broadcast role in 2023? Well, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Like, this is the first I've ever heard of a coach trade. I didn't I didn't mm. know that was a thing. Mm. So I was looking at it, and I'm trying to remember what they said. It was a long time ago, the last time there was Belichick a trade was traded. for a coach. But for for a coach like that was probably that was before Belichick was with the Patriots, obviously because he's never mm. left the Patriots since then. Where where did he come from? The Giants, the Jets, the Jets. Mm. All right, so he coached the Giants before that. No, Bel- uh, yeah, he was like a uh, he was with Parcells with the Giants a long before that because he was with did the you, Browns. Did you too. know that that Bill Belichick has been on the field for every single Giants Super Bowl? Has he? Uh, that's wild. Yeah. Huh. Every single Super Bowl win, he was on that field, which is hmm. yeah, a pretty crazy thing to think about. But last time they had a, a coach where they were trading him like a, a Sean Payton caliber coach, mm. I believe they said it was like three picks total, either two first rounds and a, a second round. I'm not giving up any of those people to hire Sean Payton. Honestly, Belichick was like, a first round pick, by the way, in 2000 from the Jets. They had to give up a first round pick for him. Yeah, and mm. that is not something I'm doing with a guy that could just go back into retirement next year. And I'll probably get a lot of haters for saying this, but I don't think Sean Payton is the best coach. I, I, do, I don't think he's a bad coach, but I don't think he's worth sacrificing team talent mm. at this point for any of the teams that need a coach. So if you go back and look, uh, Sean Payton hasn't, uh, let's see. Hasn't been to the Super Bowl since 2009. Mm. His playoff record as a head coach, 9-8. And, eight, and mm. three of those wins came in that Super Bowl run. Uh, besides the Super Bowl season, he has never won more than a single playoff game in a season coaching the Saints. Mm. And what else? Yeah, that's just that's just enough reasons for me to say this, this guy isn't the chosen one that's going to rebuild us in a year i'm i'm looking for you know these players that are going to play for us for the next um, these franchise guys Mm. not as like coaches are obviously very very important but with sean payton already leaving the nfl and it's like you just never know with the guy he's the only coach in the modern era of football that has ever been or head coach has ever been suspended for a whole season Mm. i believe uh, yeah, he's just not—he's not my guy personally. So it doesn't surprise me that I, like he—he'll go back to being an analyst. Like I'm not sure what else he could do. It's not like he can put on pads and play football now. I don't know what there really is to do if you're not going to coach besides be an analyst. And I mean, he's—he's he's fine at it, and he's fine with the herd, and he seems like a cool, chill dude. I would—I'd love to talk football with Sean Payton. I just think he's somebody who—he has the the. He has the mystique, right, where he walked away, he didn't get fired, anything like that. He mm-hmm. saw the writing on the wall in New Orleans where it was like, look at what happened this year with the Saints, where the cap was what it was. Uh, they didn't have the quarterback anymore. Breeze was gone. Just guys were getting expensive. Michael Thomas was never healthy. We were at the tail end with my guy Alvin Kamara being a dominant every down back in this league. And 
he just saw the writing on the wall where it's like, I'm gonna, I don't want to do a full on rebuild and go through a bunch of losses and and just compile these losses. So he got out, and like you said, it's gonna require significant compensation to trade for Sean Payton. But I think there's only one team it makes sense for, and it's Denver because like Denver's kind of screwed here because they are fully in the Russell Wilson just universe. Like you're not getting out of the Russell Wilson um experience anytime soon you mortgage the future for russell wilson yes the broncos have the richest owners now in the nfl but like this is what you have to do to get out of this because you made a really really franchise altering move to bring in a guy like russell wilson thinking he was going to be your Peyton, where you brought him in and a guy who's won a super bowl a guy who has just you you expect he's just going to come in be a leader and guide you back to the promised land because the Broncos have obviously struggled since Patrick Mahomes' ascent in Kansas City. And that didn't happen. And he was bad. Nathaniel Hackett didn't work out. And if Russell Wilson wants Sean Payton, and if Sean Payton really does believe that they'll spend enough to build a winner around Russell Wilson and they're going to spend to do enough, then that's the job I would take because I think the defense is really good. I think they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. And I think they're going to be okay there. I think I love the receiver room when they're healthy with Judy and Sutton and um, uh, Handler and uh, who's the other guy? They're, they just stretched somebody else. Who am I? Uh, Tim Patrick uh, from a couple years ago who was developing. And he yeah. was out for the year because he, he got injured early. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of talent in Denver. And I, if I'm Sean Payton, that's the only one I'm seriously considering because Arizona is just that's a dumpster fire I don't want to be a part of. Carolina's in the middle of a is beginning stages of a rebuild. I don't think that made a lot of sense. I don't think a lot of these spots around the league made sense for Sean Payton. Houston's gonna lose a lot of games next year, even with Sean Payton. So you just when you're early in that rebuilding mindset, you don't need to be giving up first round picks for a head coach. It need if you're trading for Sean Payton, you need to feel like if we trade for this head coach we are going to win the Super Bowl with this guy. He's the final piece right. to getting us over the hump, and I think that's only the Broncos who fit that mold. And I, I don't think the Broncos have a shot in hell at winning the next Super Bowl, Yeah, even if Sean Payton is their coach and some miracles happen. I just I don't see that happening. It's the, do you really want to go coach a quarterback where your own, that own city doesn't even want that quarterback? Well, that's like, the task is to flip it, to flip the script. Do you believe that you can flip that? I don't know. I, I don't think you can flip it uh, unless mm. Russell. It, you definitely can. You know, it's it's all about what you do on the field. Mm. But if Russell doesn't come play lights out, if he misses a playoff, if he misses the playoffs next season, mm. that just that's the dumpster fire. I don't want to be a part of. I think it's already a dumpster fire, and I just I don't think it's a good sign that nobody wants to take this job. It seems like, and Demico uh, Ryan's has just done a great job with the Niners, but. I mean, we'll see what he is as the head coach and who he hires as his OC to fix this because, like, that's the defense is going to be good regardless. But if you're going defensive minded coach to take this job, I don't know. That's a lot of pressure on who you hire as the OC to fix the Russell Wilson stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. The Broncos are an interesting, yeah. an interesting Sean spot. Payton could mm. only do it one time with Drew mm. Brees, which is easily top five quarterbacks of all time, could only win one Super Bowl with them. And never went more than one game into the playoffs af- after that. Mm. I, I don't understand how you think he's going to do it with the Russell Wilson we're seeing today. Maybe maybe five years ago. Like, Russell wasn't even bad last season. Or yeah. He wasn't terrible. 
You know, he didn't have the greatest supporting cast, but yeah, I just don't see some miracle turnaround happening for for Denver this season. But also, I didn't see my Rams being the only team to not come back to the conference championships. We're the mm-hmm. only team that didn't make it back, and that that hurts. We didn't even make the playoffs. So, but at least we got the Super Bowl. I'll take that. Well, I will say before the year, I did say the Rams missed the playoffs. Like, I thought this was it. Uh, but at least everyone's coming back, it seems like. That's the weird part is Donald, Stafford, and McVay are back. I would never have guessed that after this year. Dude, Von Miller back. promised me he would run it back when I was at that Rams parade. <laughs> you know, he was up there on the on the podium, and he's like, y'all want us to run it back? And I was like, yeah. And he said, we're going to run it back. And then he went to the Bills. <laughs> that I was so cool. salty. Man. Um. Well, you know it's uh it'll be fine i think they'll be a little bit better but we'll see with the ramps and how healthy they are and what they can do this offseason but yeah. uh t- more than uh, enough time to talk rams on this podcast uh, <laughs> logan the jets hired nathaniel hackett speaking of ex broncos head coaches as their next offensive coordinator aaron Rodgers speaking glowingly about the pass catchers and the options in new york and the pat mcafee show this week it seems like it's more and more likely that a trade is possible for Aaron Rodgers. We know how close he is with Aaron Ro- or with Nathaniel Hackett. Does this feel inevitable now that we're going to get an Aaron Rodgers trade to the New York Jets? We know they want a veteran quarterback. We know they're going to make uh, a move like that. We always kind of assumed it would be like Jimmy Garoppolo, but moving on from LaFleur as the OC, bringing in Hackett seems to indicate... They're going to go out of the box here a little bit, not just go the Shanahan disciple type and Jimmy Garoppolo. I I would be very much intrigued by this partnership and what that looks like because I think the Jets have a bunch of talent and they really are one of those teams that's a quarterback away. They got killed with injury luck on the offensive line this year, but Brees Hall will be back next year. I love their wideouts. They never traded Mims. They have a lot of dudes. CJ Ozama they signed last uh, this past offseason who I like a lot. The defense is top 10 in the league. They're going to be really good. I think this is a situation for Aaron Rodgers in the final two years where the Jets are right there. I I actually like this partnership if it does end up happening. Do you like the potential fit of Aaron Rodgers in New York? Yeah, I really like it, especially with, uh, with Hackett coming in. These guys already have chemistry together. That's just such a big thing in football. It, it's always so tough when you go and it's the next season and, you know, I'm talking about like high school or mm. peewee football, but when you go and you meet a completely new coach, you don't know any of these body, nobody on the team, you don't have any of these players. So it just feels all completely new. It's, it's kind of intimidating and it makes it a lot harder for them to start to understand how you work and for you to understand how they work. And I think that chemistry is definitely something that's important. And I think that's why they went and made that move is they want Rodgers. So yeah, the Jets are definitely the favorite here. And yeah, right now it's looking pretty inevitable that he's going to end up there. I think the AFC East could get really interesting because I think Tom is Miami bound. Like it almost happened this past off season. I think Tom ends up in Miami for these last, this last year. Um, I think Tom's going to pick a place with nice weather. (laughs) Yes. I'm telling you that. He's, I don't he's think got, he's leaving like, the East Coast. I think he likes that weather, like you said. I think he likes that area. I, Tua, I just, we did not see enough, and the concussion stuff is just brutal. Like, it would not surprise me at all if Tom Brady to Miami is where he ultimately ends up. But um, it's funny, too. I saw Marcus Spears of ESPN said, quote, he led the worst offense in the NFL last year. You're talking about Nathaniel Hackett. 
They did not hire him for anything other than saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers, we got your boy. That's exactly what Denver did this past offseason. They hired Nathaniel Hackett thinking that this was going to get Aaron Rodgers, and instead they had to trade for Russell Wilson because Aaron Rodgers went back to Green Bay. Nathaniel Hackett is just like this amazing lore to uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to try and get them get the attention to get uh, Aaron Rodgers over there. But I think now that the Packers lost and did not make the playoffs and had that rough ending to Detroit and that being it, I think it really does feel like that was it for, for Aaron Rodgers because I don't think that they're built for just dominance in the NFC North. Like the Lions are coming and I don't think the Vikings are going anywhere. You look at the Niners, they're built for the next three to four years. The Eagles are built for the next three to four years. I don't see a path for the Packers to get back to where they've been the last few, even with Aaron Rodgers running it back. So I think a, a divorce at this point would make a lot of sense for both sides and you'll get a lot of compensation. And the Jets are, I feel like the right team with the right assets to bring him in. I would love to see it. I think, I, I don't know, would that make the Jets an AFC favorite for you next year? Who's in their division again? The the Dolphins, the Bills, uh, Patriots, and the Patriots. And yeah. Patriots, yeah. No. Okay. No. Uh, that's just a tough division. Just for mm. those, it's almost impossible to get three teams in there, and I don't know if you're going to beat the Bills and Miami. It it totally depends on what this offseason looks like. But you have weapons around Aaron Rodgers now. Like if he ends up with the Jets, like Garrett Wilson, I'm sure he would love to play with that guy. You know, he he just had the receiver this season uh, that broke out. Mm. I'm blanking. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Christian Watson. 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 Yeah. yeah. So Christian Watson. You know, you could see what he was able to do with that talent, and I mm. think Garrett Wilson possesses that same talent. And just doesn't have a consistent quarterback behind him. So, like, I would love to see that duo go out there and maybe tear it up like Devontae and him used to. Yeah, I, I hope that happens. It would be fun if we got Brady, Rodgers, Mac Jones, and Josh Allen yeah. in one division. That would be that'd be a lot of fun next year. But I also, if you're Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's kind of screwed because the Packers, uh, like, the reporting is that he will not, he does, they're, they're not going to trade him inside the NFC, which I've always thought was dumb when teams do this. We're like, we're not trading him in the conference. Like, who cares? Just get the best deal. Why would you just cut half the league out because you don't want to trade him in the, con- like, what? That makes no sense to me because you're worried about seeing them in your side of the bracket in the playoffs. Like, who cares? If they gave you three first round picks and the other conference would only give you two, then you, you're just not going to do it because you're yeah. like, it's not our conference. We don't if want you're not to not going to win the Super Bowl. Take what you can get. Take, yes. take the best deal. Yeah. I don't understand why they sabotage themselves in this way, but that's what it seems like is going to happen. So if he can't go to the NFC, I mean, the jets make the most sense in the AFC for Aaron Rodgers. So uh, that's something to monitor. And I, I think as a football fan, I would, I would like to see it. Um, the last coaching thing before we get into, uh, our weekend preview for the two title conference cha- championship games, uh, Logan. The Pats brought back Bill O'Brien, former Houston Texans head coach, and most recently the uh, Alabama offensive coordinator. I don't know what Peyton has thought, or, or your brother, my cousin, uh, since being a student, the entirety of uh, the Bill O'Brien tenure at Alabama with Bryce Young and company. But um, they weren't exactly sad to see bill o'brien go back to the nfl um we'll see they now have openings on both sides of the ball 
over there in Tuscaloosa. But um, what do you make of the Patriots uh, bringing Bill O'Brien back into the fold as OC? I think it's a very iffy idea. Mm. If you look at him when he was either an offensive coordinator or a head coach, so at a higher level, Mm. his teams were never winning. I don't know how he coached for the Patriots for that long and Mm. ended up not being part of any of the Super Bowl teams. (laughs) Any of them. I I Mm. just don't get it. And then he leaves, and they win a bunch of Super Bowls, and he comes back, and then he goes to Alabama. They were terrible this year compared to what they usually are. It's Mm. not, you know, and they even got some extra weapons like – Shout out to Jermaine Burden, also went to my high school. He's friends with Peyton. But, yeah, they tr- he transferred from Georgia to Alabama. And, you know, they, everybody lost a good amount of players last year. You know, Georgia lost a lot of draft picks, but they still came out and just whooped everybody this season. And mm. I know Bill O'Brien isn't, a, isn't the recruiter and doesn't make the final decisions, but when he's running an offense or the whole team, it just doesn't seem like he has very much success, except for that – very brief time when he began with Deshaun Watson. Mm. And then he thought it was a good idea to trade away like DeAndre Hopkins for like nothing, basically. Mm. I think he was just realized he was going to get fired at some point, And he was like, I'm going to make this team really bad. So when I coach another team, we'll be better. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think people are way too harsh on Bill O'Brien. I think he's I solid. might be, I, I might just hear too much and, you know, be repeating what I'm hearing, but. Yeah, when I actually go and look at mm. wherever he's been, whether it was like Penn State or coming your Alabama or the Patriots as an offensive coordinator or the Texans as a head coach, there's just not a lot of success there. Like so especially they were for the standards in scoring this past year at Bama, fourth, forty one a game. Yeah, but fourth it's the, the University of Alabama. They were sixth they, the year prior. I don't know, man. Like, okay. I understand. All it's right. not That's the, a good point. I don't think he's terrible. I just think he's fine. Like, I think that. But Houston how do you even? Is- how do you measure stats in college? Like, if I'm running up the score seventy to nothing on like a D one double A school or something, that that should have nothing to do with. It's just harder to calculate scores because the defense can be so drastically different than the offense and skill level when it comes to college versus the NFL. Like you see 60 to nothing blowouts all the time. If you saw that in the NFL, you'd be like, what the hell happened today? Mm. So I'm like, it could just be Alabama beating up on some soft teams. They, they, they are mostly playing SEC schools. So I'll give them that. I think like I told my friend this uh, before uh, Utah lost in their Mm. bowl game and USC lost. Uh, I was telling him the Pac-12 is – he said the Pac-12 was good this year. And I go, no, the Pac-12 is overrated right now. Pac-12 is not even good. And I tried to go through and give him examples, but SEC doesn't play enough Pac-12 schools. But if you go back and look at the first game of the season, Georgia smacked Oregon. Mm-hmm. And then you go and watch the way Utah and USC – USC lost to Tulane. Mm-hmm. But – yeah, it was just not Oregon State though. Wax Florida. Yeah, Oregon State. I, I was thinking about that. I was like, that's the one exception, but that wasn't mm-hmm. one of the schools I was talking about. I was like, USC and Utah would be walking into a beatdown with a lot of these different SEC. And Utah schools. should have beat Florida. That was a dumb loss early in the year. But I think I don't know. I think the thing with the Pac-12, it's kind of overrated in the, the player aspect and just the talent. I agree. 
they're not in the blue chip ratio by and large outside of USC and Oregon. But like the quarterback play is legit. Like top to bottom, I don't think there's a better quarterback conference. Right. Like when you look at it, Michael Penix Jr. is insane. He was doing amazing stuff for my, uh, Washington last year. They'll be a top 10 team this year. DTR was awesome for UCLA all season long. Caleb Williams just won the Heisman. He's a legit number one overall how many, pick. Uh, how many USC quarterbacks we see do that? I mean, Mark Sanchez. Well, we got Matt. Did Matt Leinart win one? Yes. Carson Palmer. Mm-hmm. And Barkley. He didn't. I don't win think. One, did Car- he? I don't. No, Barkley never did, and Cody Kessler never did. Um, Keaton Slovis but, did not. Um, old friend Max but, Brown. But that's three. Yeah. That's three. That's three Heisman's right there playing quarterback for USC. And what do they have to show for it in the NFL? The best out of all of them is Carson Palmer. Yeah. And it's like not like he had a bad career, but he's not going to go down in history as a great quarterback. Yeah, but I don't know. I like Caleb Williams. We'll see. We'll see how he does as a pro. I'm just I, saying, when you say the QB play, it's like the Heisman, we'll see how you do. You know, Johnny Menzel has a Heisman sitting up on his counter. So it's true. But a great yeah. college quarterback. Job. Great college quarterback. Yeah. I, I hope Caleb Williams does well. He's really fun to watch. And I think his game could actually translate to the NFL level. Mm but yeah, USC, they must they have great quarterbacks, and like you said, but that's not why Alabama's great every year. That's not why mm. Georgia's great every year. They're great because they put together solid teams. Stetson Bennett is older than I am. Mm-hmm. I can still go back. I can still play, man. I can still get on that field and throw it around. I'd be two years younger than the oldest Heisman. Mm-hmm. I, do I don't it. recommend it though. You might get <laughs> you might get tossed around a little bit, Logan. I don't know if I'd recommend that for you. Um, biggest <laughs> yeah. story, like what are the actually quick question? The, if you the guy the, took, do, do you think we asked your dad right now if he could throw one touchdown in Heupel's offense? Like if he if he put on pads right now, do you think he thinks he could uh, score a touchdown with what Heupel is doing at this game? Do you think he would say yes? He can't throw. His shoulder isn't like. Is so messed up. He okay, fell let's off. Say, uh, okay. His shoulders are like destroyed. He can't throw. Okay. He can't shoot very good like free throws at this point. Does Peyton think he could sk- he could score with Alabama right now? Like if he went on the floor right now, do you think Peyton? he could? Yeah. If we asked Peyton him right now. Even, Peyton didn't even play at the high school level. Like scoring at what position? Like no, no, no. I'm saying basketball. At, like we put him with Nate oh. Oates right now. Do you think he would? Uh, he's like, <sighs> yeah, I would light it up right now. He might, he might say, he, well, he would say it, you know, with his little dumb smirk and laugh and like, like, are you even being serious with me? Like, I'm asking Mm -hmm. a serious question, but yeah, dude, we went out and played yesterday and I took him down twice on two on two. Yesterday, is he bad? It was like two or three days. Yeah. He's doing homeschool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he's get his crap together. (laughs) Okay. There you go. Um, interesting. Put a foot down. Okay. But yeah, I think Peyton, he he was really good in high school. You know, he was uh-huh. training every day. But when you're that size and you stop practicing, like, the skill, I feel like yeah. you lose it really quick. Like, I did go out there, and, like, the first game I went three from five from the three-point line. Second game I went mm. four for four. And then I went 0 for two in the third game. But soon seven for 11 from the three. I was just lighting it up. But he did have the worst teammate. Like, my teammate was, was really bad, too, but – Mm-hmm. If I was locking them down to defense, like I play solid defense, and I am nowhere near the level of a Division One college basketball player, so I'm just retired. You know what score. I do now? What? 
So fish, or well, I fish, but Yoga. also swimming is my jam. I've been retired since I broke my foot from running. I was an everyday runner, and then when I broke my foot, that was it for me. And now I'm just in the pool. I'm that guy at the at the gym, just hopping in the pool and doing my laps uh, for thirty to forty five minutes. That's my my go to every day now. That's how I stay I in shape. I have a pool in my backyard, and I never use it. You, I'm telling you, I would start doing the pool laps. The pool laps are refreshing. Good full body workout. Uh, clears your mind it's good yeah i'd recommend it get ready for old age logan because everything basketball all of that will not uh be your friend when your body hits 30 like it uh it doesn't hit it it, it hits different i will just tell you that if i start training like herschel walker right now mm-hmm. i could do it i could do it i could fight in the ufc when i'm like 40 or in, in a professional mma fight or i could I be a professional bobsledder that's also possible. Hey, did you follow not your know dreams. Her, did you not know Herschel Walker did those things? I did not. He was an Olympic bobsledder, and in his 40s, he fought two professional MMA fights and won both of them. I knew that. A, I think it was Bellator. Yeah. Uh, bobsledding, that's something I've never done. I don't think I'll ever bobsled. I, I think he won a bronze medal for USA in mm. bobsledding. I think he, won a, he was the odd guy pushing the, uh, the sled. <laughs> hmm. Like a tank. Okay interesting yeah um in terms of what's going on this weekend logan we've got san francisco and philly i think whoever wins this game wins the super bowl i think the super bowl winner is coming out of the nfc this year i think the two best rosters in the nfl are in philadelphia and san francisco right now um i'm way more hyped about that one i think uh going into the weekend but the biggest story the biggest storyline for you heading into niners eagles is what it can't be anything but Brock Purdy, mm. the Mr. Irrelevant himself. Like I, I never thought I would see the day where I would actually see Mr. Irrelevant excelling on a football field. Mm-hmm. But I knew I would never see the day where Mr. Irrelevant was dominating the football field at quarterback in his rookie year. Mm. The, the stars aligned for this man. And if he can win a Super Bowl... Like almost no, there's no one who could be like, oh yeah, I won my Super Bowl like younger than Brady. I think it was Brady's second season, mm. and Joe Burrow almost was able to do that in the exact same fashion against the Rams, the, the way Brady did it. But to come out as a Mister Irrelevant, and yeah, Brady has that huge underdog story. The same sort of things fell in line for him. Mm. But you you immediately cement your place in history with this. Like this is something you can make a movie out of. This yeah. guy was one pick from being undrafted. And it doesn't mean you're not going to sign with a team eventually and that you're not going to play in the NFL. It just means you went undrafted and you got to figure something out, you know, where to mm. sign. One pick away from that, if the 49ers said, screw it, we've got two quarterbacks, we don't need another one, we'll sign somebody from free agency that sucks, where, where would they be right now? Mm. Where, where would Brock Purdy's career be going? It's... It's just, yeah, the stars have lined for him, and I'm really hoping things will go well for him. I, yeah, I love Jalen Hurts, too, you know, and the Eagles. I love that whole team, but you, you really love those underdog stories. This is something that we have never seen in the NFL, somebody coming in the NFL so lowly drafted, such low expectations, and then they come out and are possibly taking you to the Super Bowl, winning you a Super Bowl, and to do that, you're not only having to beat Jalen Hurts in the 14-3 and three Philadelphia Eagles. You're going to have to take on Joe Burrow 
or Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Those are legendary matches matchups that if you win, it's like nobody can question your greatness. Like it's one season, you know, you got to be consistent to be great, but to be great that quick, it's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, we've never had a rookie quarterback win the Super Bowl or even get to the Super Bowl. It's never been done. And right now, I think there's a case the Niners are playing the best football of anybody. They've won, what, 10 he's, straight football games? He's undefeated. Mm. I think he's got 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's undefeated in his starts. He threw mm. one interception when he came in to back up Jimmy Garoppolo in that one game earlier in the season. Jimmy went out, I think, with a foot injury or something. And he came in for the fourth quarter and threw one pick. Mm. like in a game that really like wasn't in his control didn't really matter that much you know it's his first time on a field I'll give him that pick and it's like mm. without that you're 13 and 3 in your starts that's that's phenomenal football yeah I'm excited for that too how do you think it goes who do you have winning on Saturday or Sunday uh I've, I've got San Francisco okay uh, yeah, dude, I've got to cheer for the underdog in this one. This is just, this is too good for them to lose. I feel like they're going to do it, that they're actually, but you know, last week I was saying a bunch of stuff about how I didn't think that the Bengals looked like a Super Bowl contender with the way they played against the Ravens, and mm. Joe Burrow just made me look like an idiot and the whole team pretty much. So this one I feel like I'm, I'm guessing more with my heart. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're undefeated with this guy starting at quarterback, and you haven't really seen him struggle too much. Yeah, but it's also just the team around him is just dominant. Fred Warner, Bosa, you just go up and down the list, the Trent Williams, Debo, Christian McCaffrey. There's so much freaking talent. Well, yeah, those guys, but your defense doesn't get you a 67% completion percentage, doesn't get you. He's like 100 and like maybe it was like 108 maybe – QB or passer rating. Mm. That's just that's just great numbers. He's got a good connection with George Kittle. The Cyhawk connection. One went to Iowa, one went to Iowa State. But like you said, he's just calm, collected, confident, and uh I'm excited to see what happens with him and Jalen Hurts uh in that one. I have the Niners too, but I, I think it's gonna be a really good game back and forth. So we'll yeah. we'll see. Um over there in the AFC though, the biggest storyline heading into Cincy, Kansas City is what for you, Logan? Kansas City. Oh yeah, the rematch, of course. It's yes. this is this is the game that we saw last season going to overtime on a field goal, sending it to overtime, and then Patrick Mahomes threw that interception that was actually a great pass. It's just Tyreek couldn't get his arms out far enough and that ball got deflected and mm. tipped into the wrong guy's hands. Like if you go back and watch that, that ball is in his hands. And if he was able to get his hands out, maybe two, three inches more. There's mm-hmm. no way that guy's swatting the ball, and that's a that's a big pickup. And I would usually say, oh, that that was a dumb throw. There were two defenders there, but when you throw a dime like that, you can't blame the man. It was that's something that Patrick Mahomes is it makes him special is his ability to put a ball right on his guy, two people covering him, and still he had the misfortune of that just popping out and going the wrong way, and they pretty much just kick a short little chip shot for the win, and that's your season. For sure. Did you see what Willie Gay, the linebacker for the Chiefs, said today about the no. Bengals offense? They asked him, they're like, what impresses you about the Bengals offense? And he said, quote, nothing. 
just giving some <laughs> fuel to the fire for Bengals. If the Bengals is just that's not something you want to say before this game, I don't think. I uh, I don't know, man. I think this is going to be a fun game. I I hesitate with my pick because I'm like, if I think the Niners are going to win, I don't think both road teams win here. Like that's asking a lot for both road teams to win in tough atmospheres. Isn't and, isn't this week a neutral site? No, it would have been neutral site if Buffalo won. So if Buffalo oh. beat Cincinnati, it would have been Buffalo and KC in a neutral site in Atlanta, actually. Um, but no, because that's, yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, but because and that was like the whole thing where like Joe and everybody was laughing. He's like, "I hope y'all got your refunds. Sorry for your oh, refunds." Oh, they were sell- they were selling the tickets before the yes. before the game. Yeah, no, Correct. I just remembered why it was. Yeah, so it's gonna be in KC. I yeah. think it's. I'm gonna go Chiefs. I don't think I think they end it here. I think they can they bounce back. But I mean, Mahomes. The last time we saw him really look frazzled was against uh, the Bengals uh, last year at this time, like you said, and he was throwing a lot of picks. He wasn't himself. He was clearly in his head. Um, and Tyreek, they just could not get on the same page. Tyreek, I remember being really upset at multiple times in the sidelines um, for that one. And it was, ob- it was obviously the last time Tyreek Hill played for the Chiefs. But they have somebody, uh, Pacheco or Pacheco, I forgot how you pronounce his last Pacheco. name. Yeah, he Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, Pacheco. He's so fun. Like he puts his head down. He had that huge run against the Jags, and it's just he's got uh, just top line speed, and he's fun to watch. Travis Kelsey has been um, electric. Him and George Kittle have carried both their offenses too um, to this point. Like they're just they're the linchpins of how this thing hums. And I think the Chiefs figure out a way. I think Mahomes does enough and gets the monkey off his back and beats beats the Bengals. But I think this will be another down to the wire game. I think both games are going to be super fun and super close. Yeah, with like Kittle, I don't know who is making who better. If Brock Purdy yeah. is making Kittle better, if Kittle's making Brock Purdy better, because they're so good on that connection. It's like it's reviving his, even though his career, you know, hasn't been that bad. He just hasn't been the same exact player we've seen, you know, this season. And as soon as Brock Purdy comes in, this man is just a tank. And who could forget Travis Kelsey is the only two time MVP of the season, the Nickelodeon most valuable player. Two times. Oh, MVP. MVP, yeah. Many are yeah, saying just, it's a more popular award. Dude, didn't Mitchell Trubisky win one of those? It's very possible. <laughs> dude, uh, I was playing Madden the other day, and they had a card for Mitchell Trubisky. It was a Nickelodeon card for Madden Ultimate Team, and it said NVK, like awards, something like that. So they like mm. put the winners, and they gave them like their own cards. And I'm like, who gave Mitchell Trubisky an award? <laughs> He's just, yeah, that, that did not end well. Um, that, yeah, the Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky experience did not go well. So who do you have winning? Do you have Bengals or do you have uh, Chiefs here? Again, I want the Bengals to win. But mm-hmm. in this one, I've got to say, I think the Chiefs are, are going to win it. But every time I doubt Joe Burrow, yeah, it's just now that I realize it's at home, that's that's such a big difference. Arrowhead is the loudest stadium. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can remember what happened in Peyton Manning's Super Bowl against the Seahawks. First yeah. play of the game. Yeah. And that was it. That's a neutral site that we're playing mm-hmm. at. And they were still so loud that, you know, snap the ball over the head, safety, first play of the game. They mm-hmm. get the ball back, drive downfield. Now it's 9 nothing to start the Super Bowl, and they get the ball at the half. It, it just... Stuff like that can be easily changed by the crowd. 
I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think I'll say this too, and we can end here. I think the Chiefs, if the Chiefs win, then the Eagles uh, lose. I think, and then it's like, uh, I don't think you're getting two road wins. So it's like if the Bengals win, then then I think uh, the Eagles win and vice versa. So um, we shall see. Both games going to be awesome. Glad they're both on Sunday. Um, I'll be back in Atlanta to watch Clippers Hawks up close on Saturday night. My wife taking her to her first Hawks game in person. So this is going to be fun. I'm excited for that uh, over the weekend. It's going to be a lot of sports and a lot of good stuff. You used to saying that yet? Your what? wife? Yeah. Your wife? Yes. You're like yeah. used to it now? My wife. My wife. My yeah, wife. No, <laughs> this is my wife. <laughs> very no, nice. It's, a, it's very nice. Very nice. I would agree. Um, Logan, thank you as always, my friend. And uh, I will talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for having me. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.